Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And my focus this morning as we end the year is to kind of help us realign ourselves with God's mission for the church. Uh, Four years ago, which by the way, in 20 days, this church will be four years old. 20 days. And and when, when we started the church, God gave us this word. He said, your job is to establish a new normal in this region, you know, and that's what we're going for. That's what we're believing for, and that's what we're seeing. I want to talk a little bit more about that. What does it mean, this new normal, and how all of us play a role in this new normal? But uh, when we started the church, um, you know, the Bible says to tell your story because your story keeps you focused on what he's done and what he wants to do, you know. One of the most used words in the Bible is the word remember, you know, remember what the Lord has done. If you read scriptures, it says, remember when I brought you out of Egypt. Remember when I opened the Red Sea. And so all of us have our stories. We need to keep telling those stories to stay focused on what God has called us to do. And so our story started about four years ago where my wife and I really felt like drawn to, to, to move here and, and, and to start this church. And, um, and, and, and so we told God, like, if we're going to go, we want to go all in. And before we had anyone, before we told anyone, only our spiritual mentors knew, we, we said, God, we're going to buy a house because we don't want any plan Bs. We want to make sure we're there and that you're going to make this thing work. And so even though we started in January, we moved in November of that year, 2014. And, um, and we bought a house and our kids were still commuting from Rhode Island to New Bedford because of school system. And my wife was pregnant at the time. And so all these things that happened, listen, when you're doing God's will, it's never going to be completely lined up the way you want it to. But as you trust in him, God will continue to open doors for you and make a way where there seems to be no way. And so we came by faith, you know. And that January when we started the church, we knew we had 30 people who were crazy enough to believe with us. You know, 30 people that we've been praying and believing. And I remember, I'll never forget the day we opened, January 19th. 78 people showed up here to Keith Middle School to have church with us, and we were excited. We're like, man, we're on our way. 78 people, that's awesome. And then to think that today, after four years, there's a 1,000 people meeting every single week. It's amazing. (laughs) Only God can do that. Like, we're not smart enough to do that. You know, our job is to just follow his lead. Our job is to just be in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing as he's establishing this new normal. I believe all of us are part of this movement. It takes all of us to see the will of God because I believe that the goal is to reach an entire region. That's why we call ourselves South Coast. We believe that this church is going to have babies in the different parts of the South Coast region and there's going to be more and more people that are going to become uh, into the fold and become saved and restored. The new normal means new families. New normal means, you know, youth focus. New normal means that I'm, I'm pursuing God's ideal for my life and that's what it's all about and that's what Corinthians is all about. It gives us a foundation of what it means to live this new normal that God has for all of us. And so if you're there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, He died 
for everyone so that those who receive his new life, which is a great name for a church, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. When you have an experience with him, it changes how you see Jesus. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. He's given us a task of reconciling the world to himself. That's what Jesus came to do. But then he says, now I'm giving you this task to do the same with others. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Can you say amen? So this is the new normal. You know, when we started the church, Time Magazine had an article. And the title of the article was, Hello America, Meet Your New Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and what they did was, it was a research of the entire nation of what are the most, you know, least Bible-minded cities in America. And lo and behold, New Bedford was dead last on that list. It was dead last tied with Providence as the least Bible-minded city in America. And it was at the same time that God said, I want you to go and establish a new normal that this is going to change. That God's going to do a new thing. If you're going to do God's will, don't ever just look at the natural. You've got to look at the supernatural. Because sometimes in the natural, everything looks bleak. Everything looks like it's not going to happen. But it's in, this, it's in those moments that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you a future. And that's what the new normal is all about. And, and, and can I just take a moment and say this? If this last four years, as God blessed your life because of this church, can you make some noise for the Lord today because of this church? That's, in other words, you're the new normal. You're, you're, you're it. You're not a, it's not a building. It's the people, right? That's the church, right? Here we are in a middle school, but it feels like a sanctuary, right? It feels like this is where we gather to meet God because you're the new normal. You're the one that God wants to rescue. We are the ones that God wants to rescue, but then we're the ones that God wants to use to bring about this new normal. So once in a while, you got to take a, a fresh look at the mission that drives us as God's people. And that's what I want to do this morning. And, and one of the toughest challenge of a church is to stay focused on the mission. Because it's easy to get caught up on other things. It's easy to make it about something else where there's so many distractions. There's so many things that the enemy would love for us to make that the focus and not the mission. And so once in a while, we need to realign ourselves back to the mission of what it means to be a new person and what it means to be an ambassador, what it means to be part of a church that's looking to push things forward for more and more people to receive Jesus. Can you say amen? You know, so the new normal is us. Now picture this this morning for the sake of illustration so we can get a fresh, hopefully a fresh perspective on this. Now think about it this way, right? Imagine you and I worked for a company Name New Life. Right? Imagine that company 
has a goal to make new people, right? Because every company has a specific goal, right? You work for a company, and that company right now has a specific goal, right? It's to accomplish something at the end of the day, right? If you work in a factory, that factory has a product that they want to produce, but throughout that factory, there's different components of how to get to that final product, right? You don't get the product, right? For example, uh, you know, I love Jordans, you know, um, and, and Santa was good to me. I got some new pair of Jordans uh, this Christmas. Uh, <laughs> but the Jordans don't come like that. They, they get assembled until you get the final product, right? And so the Jordan company begins with a concept, a mission of how they want to produce the best Jordans possible. Now, you can try to mimic Jordan and you come up with the Jordan that's making a layup. It's not the real thing. You know what I mean? If Jordan, if your Jordan's making a layup, trust me, you didn't, you don't have the Jordans that you're supposed to have. You got the Payless version of Jordans, but it's, it's not the real Jordan, which is okay. I mean, that's your thing. But if you're going for Jordan, there, 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 there is a way to know that it's, a, it's, it's real, right? And, and they take pride in being excellent. They take pride in what they do. And so imagine you worked for a company named New Life who wants to produce new people. Can you imagine the, the heart and the mindset that we would have coming into work, knowing that, man, my, I get to be part of making new people. Like, I don't, I don't make shoes. I don't make sneakers. I don't make clothes. I, I'm into the business of making new people. How would that change the perspective of church if we begin to think about it that way? That I don't go to a building, I go to work to make new people. Like I go to see people get to Jesus. I go to see people get baptized. I go to see people find their place. I go to see people serve. I go to see people reach their full potential in Christ. Like that will change the way we look at church if we understand that that is the mission that God gave us to do. He didn't ask you to come here and be comfortable. He asked you to come here and get busy by making new people, by helping new people come to know who he is like that's the point I knew normal means that I get to be part of this now you gotta ask the question how do you build a new person I'm glad you're asking right because you're like okay I got I want the job but how do we how do we how do we build new people well the thing is in order to build new people it has to start with God it can't start with us because because the people business requires things that only God can do, right? There are some things that I cannot do. Now, I can play my role in the assembly line of making new people, but there are some things that only God can do, right? There are some things that only the Spirit of God can do. And so if we're, if we're going to really have the mission and, and be focused on the mission, then we're going to ask the question, okay, God, how do we do this? Right? But because it has to start with God. It can't start with me. If it starts with me, it will look like Payless. <laughs> this is why I tell people, don't start with the resolution. You need a revelation. Because you can have a resolution and you can do a lot of good things, but it doesn't mean it's godly things. Because good and God are not the same thing. You have to discern, God, what is your will for my life? Right? This is why I love spending those two weeks in prayer because it's about, okay, God, what's the revelation? What is it you're speaking? What are you saying? Because I want to be aligned with that, and I don't want to just be aligned with what I think is good. I want to be aligned with what you think is good, right? Because think about it. We can do beautiful services, and, and, and we can set up and have beautiful songs, but if God is not moving, all we have is nice things, 
Right? We go home the same. We live the same. We don't have any power. We don't have any strength. We don't have any revelation. We don't have any affirmation. We don't leave our comfort zone. Why? Because God is not moving. So the first thing that needs to happen in the fact of new people is that the Holy Spirit needs to be the first most important ingredient of a church. Because it's possible to do church without God. Do you know that? It's possible every week to go to a building and do something we call it religious, but where is the spirit of God? Like, where is the change? Where's, where's the beef? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit needs to be the first most important component of a church because only the spirit of God can change lives. You can't change anyone. And you can even change yourself. Have you noticed that? Well, even yourself, you're like, self, can you change? Come on, come on, somebody. I know we're in church. Can we be real? You're like, self, can we get it together? Right? And the Spirit of God is like, hey, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Right? So we got to start with God. Is God has to be center stage. God has to be the focus of his church. Right? And so we got to ask God, God, how do you make new people first? And how do I play a role in that? Right? So if you look at God, right? God, he's God. He knows how people work. Right? I did a funeral yesterday. I was telling them, listen, when your car breaks down, you find the best mechanic possible. When your body breaks down, you find the best doctor possible. But what do you do when your soul breaks down? Who do you go to? Who is the soul expert? It's not Facebook. It's not your Aunt Gemma. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. Right? Only the Holy Spirit who created you knows your soul. Knows the longing. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. He knows your frustrations. He knows your weaknesses. He knows everything about you. And he says, come as you are. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to empower you to live the life that I created you to live in the first place. So we got to start there. So God goes straight to the source. He says, if we're going to build new people, we have to start with what drives them first, which is their heart. Right? Here's what the Bible says, how God begins to work on people to make them this new normal. Ezekiel says this. He says, listen, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. That's where God begins, in the heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And... You have to give God permission to do that because God's not going to force change on you. This is why I tell people, listen, you can't not force someone to follow God. Here's what happens a lot of times. If we force it, you may get a version of it, but it's going to be a pay less version of the real thing. Like people will tell you what you want to hear, but their hearts can be far from God. The Bible says that. That my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Like you go through the motions of religiosity, but it doesn't mean your heart is in it. There's nothing worse than being in a relationship with someone where their heart's not with you. Hello, somebody. Right? Because, because at the end of the day, it's about what? It's about our hearts being linked together. And God's like, I want us to do this the right way. Like I want your heart to be in this thing. And so I need to start with what moves you. Because nothing moves you more than what moves your heart. When you want to do something and you want someone to come with you, there's nothing more exciting when someone's like, man, I'm in. Like you're about to go on an adventure. The last thing you want is people who don't want to go with you. Right? 
Like the people, oh, please come on. It's like, just forget it. It's going to be terrible. Trust me. Right? But when you have someone who's with you, man, it's exciting to be able to say, man, you're with me and we're in this together. But what makes people say I'm with you is their heart. Right? And so you can't force people to follow Jesus. You can't force people to serve. That's a, that's a willing, responsive heart. Right? Someone told me, why don't you preach more about hell? Maybe more people. Because like, you think that's going to get people to follow God. To scare them? That's not God's will. Parents, you, listen, you can threaten your kids. They'll do the right things. But one day, they'll rebel if their heart's not in it. Right? And so we got to go deeper than just tell them, this is what I told you to do. Because I'm your father. <laughs> Here comes Batman. <laughs> right? That works only for so long. Right? Until their hearts begin to say, I want to go that way. Right? The story of the prodigal son is powerful because he came to the father. He says, I want to leave. The father never tried to stop him because the father knew you can stay home and your heart may not be in it. Sometimes you got to go to realize what it's all about. Right? So God sometimes will let you go and say, listen, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to realize I'm the rock at the bottom that you need in life. You know? But it starts with a new heart, a responsive heart, a tender heart that, that, that wants the will of God, that desires. See, the greatest gift you have is the gift of free will. God wants you to free willingly serve him, free willingly worship him, walk with him, have a relationship with him. That's deeper than just going to a building. That's deeper than just going through the rituals of a religion. No, it's about a relationship. Can you say Amen. You know, it starts with a new heart. And then he's like, now, your heart and your mind work together. I got to work on your mind, right? The Bible says this about the mind. God says, I want to give you a new mind. Look, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. A new heart will turn into a new mind, See, your heart and your mind are like the headquarters of your life. Right? Your heart and your mind dictates what you do. Your heart and your mind dictates what you say, what, how you behave. Can I tell you this, church? Please write this down. Christianity is not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. You can behave and not be transformed. The story of the prodigal son is about two sons. The other son stayed home, but his heart was not home. There's people in church, but their hearts are not in it. They'll say all the right things. They'll do all the right surface things. But what is really the driving force of your life? If God is not renewing your mind, who's leading you? This is why I'm telling you, a resolution is you. A revelation is God. We need a transformation of the mind to see the will of God being done. The word transformation there is the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is what happens to a cocoon that goes through a process of becoming a butterfly. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't force a cocoon to become a butterfly. You can't yell at it. 
Right? It needs to take its course to become a fool. So God's saying, listen, let me take you on this journey to transform your mind to become the fullness of who I created you to be in the first place. Like it doesn't happen over time. It happens on a long, it's a long game that God has in store for us. That's why some people come to church, they're like, I went up to the house, like, you went once, you're a cocoon. <laughs> like, let God develop you. Right? How many would say from January till now, you've seen the transformation begin to happen? Like, how many of you would say, like, God is transforming you? I always say, give God at least a year. But if you really want to see it, give God 30 years. <laughs> Hello, somebody. How many of y'all knuckleheads are still like, man, I'm still like a cocoon even though I'm 52? Like, <laughs> like I'm st- <laughs> Can we be honest for a second? The metamorphosis is different from all of us because all of us develop differently. And so one of the greatest things in church is patience. As a pastor, don't you think I just want to open up your heart and be like, change. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all, I pray extra hard. It's like, change. That's moral combat. Um, You know, but you can't force change. That's why he says, I got to renew your mind. That's a daily thing. Yeah. Every day, I have to renew my mind to know God's will for my life. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Transformation takes time. Metamorphosis takes time. You know, Michael Jackson, 1978. Michael Jackson, 2000. Metamorphosis. <laughs> How do you go from being black to being white? Like, that's, that's a long journey. Right? Some of y'all are like, is that, is that okay? Yeah, he's been dead for a while. <laughs> I think he's laughing with us. He's going, hee hee. You know, like, just better. It's a process. Okay. It's a journey. You thought back, black and white was just a song? It was a prophetic declaration from black to white. You know, it's a process. Some of y'all are like, that's all you're going to get from church today. Like, I can see it now. I can stop right here, call it a day. You're like Michael Jackson, Revelation, Metamorphosis. You'll never look at that verse the same way again. But God doesn't stop there, right? He says, a new heart, a new mind. This is the factory of making new people. He says, I got to give you a new vision. You know, the Bible says without vision, we perish. You know, the word perish, it doesn't mean dying physically. It's saying dying emotionally and spiritually. Like if you don't have an aim, you just die. You just exist. So God's like, I got to give you a new vision, a new drive for your life. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, which is vision, they run wild. Right? But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Right? So God says, I want to give you a revelation for your life. Like, it's not my idea to move to New Bedford. You know why I know? Because... Because before we moved, my, my, my wife's family is from New Bedford. We used to come up and visit them. And I always said, man, I can never live here. And my wife always said, God's got a sense of humor. You keep saying that. I'm like, yeah, but I don't, New Bedford, why? I don't even know why I used to say that. You know? But God knew. He's like, oh, yeah, funny. I think God laughs at our plans. I really believe God laughs at your plans. I think God tells the angel, <laughs> you hear what he said? <laughs> Look at this guy. Let's give him a year or two. You know? And now I live in New Bedford. I bought a house in New Bedford. My kids live. All my five kids were born in this city, even though we didn't live here all these years. It's amazing. Like, God was like, aren't you paying attention? I'm trying to steer you. 
a certain way. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've gotten to a place where now you thank God that he didn't answer all your prayers because he had better plans for your life. I'm pretty sure I would have married the wrong person if I did not pay attention to divine guidance. Don't elbow anybody. Don't look at anybody. I'm just speaking for myself. That God is faithful to not hear all your prayers. You got to thank God sometimes that he doesn't answer all your prayers. Uh, he gives you divine guy. He's like, no, go ahead. No, trust me. Okay, Lord. You know, some of y'all, you're still in that journey with like Taylor Swift. You're still crying about that old dude. You're like, drop it like it's hot. God's got a better plan for your life. Come on, praise him by faith. Even you have to cry about it. Yeah, God, I know. I know. I know you do. I know you do. Do it by faith. But he gives you a new vision, a new drive for your life. Amen. New mind, new heart, new vision. He doesn't stop there. He gives you a new mission. You have a mission in life when you follow Christ. You don't live for yourself, like scripture says. You live for him. He has a purpose. He tells you this. Jesus said this. He said, look. But you will receive power. You know the word power there is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from? Like, it's like it is an explosion of life that's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You have a mission. Your mission is to represent him now. That's what he wants to do. It's make new people that look like him, talk like him, act like him, that others can say, there's a God. You know, the Bible says that you should let your light shine so that a dark world can say there's hope. Talking to this homeless man yesterday, he said, man, no one stops to talk to us anymore. He says, I can't believe you're still talking to me. I told you all this stuff. I thought you would walk away from now. I'm like, why would I? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God, just like me. And it could be me out here. Right? And we pray together. You know, and he invited him to church. It was cool because I said, you know, we have this great thing going on at Keith Middle School. He goes, oh, is that new life? I said, yes. He says, I've heard so many great things about that church. I'm like, well, I'm happy to be the pastor of that church. Come and hang out with us. Power, church, is God's will for you. Power to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. You see, the gospel is not just Jesus forgive me. The gospel is Jesus empower me to live now above the level of sin and mediocrity. To not keep making the same mistakes. To not keep, you know, hitting the same walls. Like God empowers you to live above those things that hold you back for so long. Listen, it's a new day in your life. Embrace the power that God has available to you to live the life. He created you to live. Christians should not walk around powerless. We have powerless moments, but we're not, we, don't, we don't have powerless lifestyles. We all have our moments of weaknesses. We all have moments where we feel like life is too hard and we make mistakes. But guess what? That's the moments to say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Empower me again. Bless me again. Strengthen me again to walk the walk that you created me to walk. I'm not going to settle for anything less. Then your will for my life. Can you say amen? And then, and then the last thing today I want to share with you about this new normal is it's a new heart. It's a new mind. It's a new vision. It's a new mission. But also it's a new role. You have a role now in this factory of new life. You've been promoted. God says now you are my ambassadors. 
That's how God sees you when you embrace him. An ambassador. Look, he says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are ambassadors. Church, you have an identity in Christ. It's not who people say you are. It's who God says that you are. Sometimes it's not even who you think you are. It's who God says you are. This is important that we align ourselves who what he says we are. Because sometimes we can even deceive our own selves. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. If you're not paying attention to the spirit of God, you will deceive yourself out of God's will. Have you ever had conversations with yourself? That you like lost your mind? Right? That's why it's important in those moments that God know what do you have to say? I need to align myself with what you have to say so I don't lose the focus of who you created me to be. An ambassador, let me make it clear. Here's what ambassador means. A person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specific activity. That's an ambassador. He has a focus. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the news. But the United States came down hard on the United Nations. Because of the whole Israel thing. Right? So the United States came back and said, we... A sovereign nation will not forget this day. Right? It was really hardcore. The ambassador of the United States representing the United States to the United Nations over 200 countries says, you guys went against us. We're not going to forget this day. We're going to start cutting ties with some of you. We're going to take some money away. And we're going to show you that you don't mess with us, quote unquote. Her job is not to represent herself. Her job is to represent the United States. The United States says, here's our position when it comes to that. And so, and so all she has to do is do the representation of the nation. See, that's what God is saying. I didn't ask you to say your opinion. I asked you to say what I told you to say. I asked you to say what I asked you to say. Right? That's what an ambassador is. Right? That, that's why sometimes people are like, yeah, well, you said that. I'm like, it doesn't matter what you think I said. It's what God told me to say that I'm going to say. Now, I may miss the mark sometimes, but I'm going to keep being the ambassador he called me to be, not who you want me to be. I'm going to be who he called me to be, and he called you to be an ambassador for him. In other words, our lives are meant to represent him. Everybody represents something. Everybody. Even those who are like, I don't represent anything. Well, you don't represent anything. Everybody represents something. Behind every Facebook post is a representation. Behind every tweet is a representation. Out of the abundance of the heart, we tweet. Right? There, there cannot be a disconnect between who I am in person and who I am online. Right? Because I am an ambassador no matter where I am. Right? Where I am at work, I'm an ambassador. If I'm playing basketball, I'm an ambassador. If it's 2 in the morning, I'm still an ambassador. If it's 2 in the afternoon, I'm an ambassador. If things are going hard, I'm an ambassador. If things are good, I'm an ambassador. If I'm confused, I'm still an ambassador. Like, it doesn't change who I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. Now, I grow in that role, obviously, because I start as a cocoon, and I develop into a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> life's greatest revelation is this church it's not about me to get to that point it's not easy because we swear it's about us 
The way we talk, man, we think we're the center of the universe. Our planet is not the center of his own galaxy. Like science points to God. My little girl right now, she's 10. She's fascinated with science. She's doing a lot of research. Every single day she's listening to Louis Giglio about, you know, indescribable. Louis Giglio does some great talks on science and God. And, and she's got a devotional about that. And she's like fascinated by this. And, and even today she's like, God, Dad, when you come home, I need to tell you some new things that I learned. And it's so cool because she's starting to understand there's something way bigger out there than me. Church, it's not about us. There is a God. He created you. He loves you. He's for you. But you're not the center of the universe. That's why your resolution sometimes is small compared to the revelation that he wants to give you for your life. Like God's plan is much bigger than you can ever imagine or think. Right? But you start as a cocoon and he begins to develop you to become a full ambassador for him. That's who you are. I pray tomorrow you get up in the morning and say, I'm an ambassador. How are my words today going to bless people? I'm an ambassador. How's my actions are going to reflect who God is? And, and, you know, sometimes the hardest place to be an ambassador is right at home. Hello, somebody. Right? Like, like I have to start at home. My dad always taught us church starts at home. If the people that live with you can see the real you, then you can be real anywhere else. Because you can't fake the funk with those who know you. Right? Like, you can't be something at home and then something in church. No, we are ambassadors to our spouses if we're married. We're ambassadors to our children. You're like, no one convicts me more than our children. Right? It's the kids that God will, will like, God is so good at using your kids. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, my kid's case. And God goes, yeah, what about you, though? I'm saying. One time I, I, was, I was playing with one of my sons because there's like 10 of them. Um, I don't even remember which one because there's so many of them. But I had my phone and I'm checking in my email. I'm playing. And he goes, Dad, put the phone down. It's like, ah, that cuts right through. Like, man, he's six years old. But he's right now the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, what the heck are you doing? Throw that thing away. Play with your kid. Be an ambassador. Be with him in this moment. No, be with him. You know. And trust me, I'm a work in progress. When it comes to this stuff. We all are. But the bottom line is, it's not about us anymore. It's how do I represent this God? I'm part of a factory that makes new people. Right? And remember, everybody's journey is different. So we have to remember that. Sometimes we're hard on people because we don't struggle what they struggle with. Right? But we forget that we have our own struggles that we need to deal with. You know, and sometimes people say things like, oh, the church, hypocrites, all this. It's like, yeah, but it takes one to know one, people. Let's be real. Like, all of us are work in progress. Let's give each other room and grace to become. Like, how about we say this? How about we start saying this? Hey, don't forget you're an ambassador. Like, encourage them. Prophesy over them. Speak life over them. Don't give up on people because God hasn't given up on you. Like, just keep speaking. Life. Over others. Right? He says, I called you to represent me. Right? And he puts you in a specific church for a reason. That's why there's so many churches. I believe everybody needs to find a place to grow in their role. Right? We're not it. We're just one of. Right? 
Just like when you go to the store, there's many cash registers that's trying to cash you. There's many churches. God's trying to get everybody in to say, hey, let's develop this thing. But he gives each church a specific mandate, I believe. For us, he says, establish the new normal. New families, new focuses, new perspectives. And so he gives you a way to do it. Like I said, the Jordan doesn't start with the finished product. No, he says, no, there's a development stages to get to the finished product, right? And so for us as a church, we have a certain way of doing things because we believe that's the way we're going to get to the bottom line, which is to make more and more ambassadors, right? So if you're here for the first time or you're here for the 100th time, I want you to know this is what we do, okay? This is how we try to establish the new normal. Now, when I show you this, it doesn't have to be in order, you know, because we're all in different journeys, but this is what we hope everyone can get to, all right? When, we, when you say, I'm part of this church, this is what we're trying to do, okay? Let me show you this, this assimilation process that we have. Right. For us, there's really seven key steps that we believe everyone should be in. Again, it doesn't have to be in this order. But first thing that we always focus on is, if you're a new person, our goal is to make you as welcome as possible. That's why we start from the parking lot. Right? Our goal is to say, hey, you may not know everything about church. You may not know everything about music that we do and the preaching. But you understand you're welcome. You know, and we do that from the parking lot. That's why we have those crazy people, those signs, you know, and some of them, you know, they hug you even though you don't want to be hugged. You know, those things. You're like, why are you hugging me? Um, I don't do hugs. Uh, they're just trying to welcome you. That's all they're trying to do, you know. And then that's why we follow up with you during the week because our goal is, hey, if you're serious, if you're seeking, we want to make sure you have a place to, to grow. That's our heart desire. But we don't want you to stay there. We want you to meet Jesus. That's salvation, right? Because when you meet Jesus, you become a new person. When you meet Jesus, it's not being religious. It's having a relationship. So our heart desire is for you to get to that point that you can say, I'm ready. See, there's always three ways that people respond to Jesus, depending on where you are in your journey. Some are still in that scoffing, mocking, you know, you guys born again. You're not ready. That's fine. There's a process. Then there's some people who are intrigued. They're like in that moment like, man, this sounds interesting, sounds good, not sure. And then there's the third group of people that are like, I'm, I'm ready. Like my heart is open. I'm ready to receive. And so our heart desire is to help those people take the next step of saying yes to Jesus. And that's why every Sunday we, we, we pray the prayer at the end. If you want to know Jesus, this is your chance to invite him into your life. And so, but we don't want you to stop there. We want you to commit to Jesus, which is baptism. The Bible says repent and be baptized. Baptism is the outward expression of what God has done inwardly in your life. It's going public with Jesus. People say we don't talk about religion and politics. I think we shouldn't, but let's talk about Jesus because Jesus is awesome. He changes lives. And so when you get baptized, listen, 102 people got baptized this past year. That's what Jesus does. It's awesome. But then we hope you join the mission. That's our grow track classes. Jesus says we are a body and all of us play a role. That's our way. Right now we have 16 different teams. That's how the church operates. Everything you see here is because someone is part of a team that makes it happen. And that's what grow track is. So you got to find yourself in this and say, okay, am I ready to jump in and join a team? Right? And then we have support system. Those are the crews. As you saw in that video, we had 23 crews meeting throughout the city that we get together to be a blessing in each other's life because the Bible says that we're better together, right? Actually, one of the battles that we have in America, we read in the Bible, is that 
in Americans in the Western society were very ind- individualistic people. But in scriptures, in Eastern mindset, they're very culture community people. They're all about doing life together. And that's what we need to, it's hard for us to break that mindset that I don't have to do this alone. Me, myself, and I. No, I have a team of people around me who loves me, can support me in doing this. And that's what the crews are all about. And we would love for you to join one. February is the next one. And our goal this time around is to have 30 crews because the church is growing. We need more and more crews. Uh, And then we want to reach out. That's how Serve the City Project. You saw we did 40 this past year. We had a great relationship with three shelters in the city, a youth detention center, uh, you know, elderly home. Uh, we, we have a street team, and this year we are working on three more. We're working on a jail ministry. We're working on a hospital ministry in, in a veteran's home. And our goal is to keep adding ways to be a blessing in the city. That people may not come to us, but we're going to go to them. Jesus said, go, make disciples, right? And so we, we love for you to be part of them. And by the way, we have a team that left yesterday for Kenya to go visit those orphans and... And to be with them. Pray for them. That it's going to be a great trip. You know, and, and our goal is to have more of those. And we're working on a few more in the next coming years. But, and, then, and then we hope that you can reproduce. Because the goal, Jesus said, is to make more disciples. Right? The goal is not to keep this to yourself. It's too good to keep to yourself. It's to say, God, how can you use me to make more new people? We don't make people, but we can be a blessing in their lives. We can be a support system in their lives. So this is our system in a nutshell. This is our factory in a nutshell. From now on in 2018, we're not going to call ourselves church anymore. We're going to call ourselves a factory, okay? We're going to give people really a reason to believe we're a cult now. Like, we're, we're just going to go all out. Okay. They already think it. Now we're going to give you reasons. Like, listen, we're no longer a church. We're a factory. We make new people, huh? Yeah, come become a new person. That, that's <laughs> New Life Factory. That's, that's our goal going forward. Um, but this is the heart. And church, I, I want to leave you with this today. You guys can come up. I want to leave you with two questions as we end this morning. Okay? All of us need to ask these two questions. Can you go to my last slide? What will God do through you in 2018? Please write these questions down and pray about them. Meditate on it. Come to prayer nights and, take, and say to God, How do I answer these two questions? Because we all have a unique role. How will you help establish a new normal in 2018? Notice I didn't say how is God going to bless you because I know he will. I'm asking you what is he going to do through you? Right? Because he said I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Right? How is God going to use you? You have unique talents. You have unique abilities. You have unique demographics. There are people that you will reach that none of us will ever reach. Someone said this, and I love it. They said, if, if, there, if, no one, if someone didn't have a Bible, but all they had was your life, would they see Jesus? That's a beautiful challenge. That I want to live in, in a way that people can know there's a God. That the new normal is it's embodied in me. It's how I live every single day. That's the new normal. It's how I think. It's how I process things. It's how I love my neighbor as I love myself. That's the new normal. My prayer this year, church, is that everything that we witness in 2017, I pray it gets double. 
I pray we see more salvations, more baptisms, more healings, more of God's will. Would you stand with me as we pray together this morning? Would you, really, would you lift your hands to the Lord where you are as a sign of, I'm, I'm open, Lord, I'm receiving. I pray, Spirit of God, come upon us. Come upon us in a fresh way. I pray we start this year as the new people you called us to be. Lord, I pray, Lord, make our hearts tender and responsive to your will. God, we don't want to conform to this world. We want to be transformed. Renew our minds this morning to know your good, pleasant, and perfect will. God, we pray for a fresh vision from above. A fresh revelation of who you are and who you called us to be. And Spirit of Jesus, fall fresh on us with power to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. Power to live lives that you called us to live. And God, we pray this morning that we embrace the role of ambassadors for you, Jesus. We want to live such a way that people can know that there's a God. So Spirit of God, come upon us. Because it's all about you, Lord. Align us to your will this morning and this year. Let a fresh touch of your presence be on your people. Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift that up. I want to thank you for listening today and I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God and uh, hope to see you soon.